everybody, and welcome back. It is time once again for your favorite Jack Wagon Sports podcast. Uh, we have an ep- or a huge episode for you guys this week. We're going to recap the Super Bowl uh, and everything that happened there. We have the 2500 preview. We're going to talk a lot about the Waste Management Open that happened this past week and the Genesis Invitational that will be taking place this upcoming weekend. Uh, and the huge return of Tiger Woods. Uh, I'm so excited about it. My lineup's already set, but I, I, Sam thought about it. I actually, I think Sam put him in his lineup today. He was texting me about it. And I was like, I've honestly been thinking about it. And I'm still not, I, we'll, we'll have to see if I switch before tomorrow. But we're, we're going to talk about all about our fantasy lineups as we do every week for the PGA Tour. Also, our NASCAR lineups in lieu of the Daytona 500 this weekend. So without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's dive right in. Um, Super Bowl was an amazing game. I mean, there's a lot of people salty about how it ended, and we're going to talk about that as well. Um, but probably the best Super Bowl that we could ask for. It was close. It was competitive. It was back and forth. Uh, I mean, there was definitely points there where it looked like, especially in the first half, Philadelphia was going to be able to pull away, and it might not be a super competitive game. Mahomes went down late in the first half, was limping, and we're like, oh, God, here we go. Um, but he got short, shot up a tortorol, was good to go, uh, and came out and played an amazing second half. Uh, Slade, we'll start with you. Just your general thoughts on the Super Bowl. Uh, and I guess we're not technically allowed to say the Super Bowl. I, I didn't realize that was something to talk about the other day. Uh, your thoughts on the big game uh, and, and everything that happened. Yeah, so first off, A.J. Brown cashed it. Um, second thing I should have listened to, uh, I said that if 80% of the bets are on a team, that team loses. That's how it's been this playoffs. That's exactly what happened. I went against it, said I wasn't going to put money on one team specifically. I did that. I put on the Eagles. <laughs> that and Miles Sanders screwed me. I mean, the Eagles bet that I did place, I went with George's uh, thought process at Eagles plus four and a half. Um, and that obviously would have cashed. But the fact that Miles Sanders couldn't figure out which way he was supposed to be running, and it looked like he maybe needed to go to the blue tent, um, get checked out for some CTE, because he just, I thought at first he got taken out of the game purposely for a fumble and it was not the case. They were just putting him in there and he should have just not even been out there because it wasn't even like he was a threat for Jalen hurts. It wasn't even like, it was like, Oh, maybe I'll pass it over here to him. Just swinging out on the left. No, no, he just never even looked that way. Just running up the center. <laughs> so, I mean, like George had said, I mean, it was, it was a great uh, Super Bowl to watch very close, uh, very back and forth, but they need to do better with these injury reports because there's no way this dude has hurt his ankle three weeks in a row and is running on it like that. And then they show him underneath the tunnel in tennis shoes after the game, trying to leave the tunnel and he ain't limping at all. I don't care how much medicine you gave this dude at that point, they're stopping the medicine so that he can go drink and celebrate with his teammates. And this guy isn't limping at all. So, I mean, I don't, I think they need to change that because that definitely affected my, my, uh, betting perspective <laughs> what about you nick yeah um so i i had a good game uh betting i had the jalen hurts touchdown travis kelsey touchdown and the kansas city money line uh obviously the first two the anytime touchdowns cash like immediately um so that was great to see so then i proceeded to at like at the time where i realized hey both of those bets hit now all i need is kansas city to win was the point where Philly was like 10 points ahead. And I was like, Oh boy. So I'm sitting there. Um, my mom had happened to ask me what I bet on. So I sent her a screenshot and she's like, are you cashing it out? I'm like, at this point, like I kind of want to, but I'm going to see if Kansas city gets closer, see if I can get it a little higher. And then um, nothing that I'm subscribed to happened to have the game on it. So 
when everybody sat down from eating to actually watch the game, I was like, well, shit, I got to use my phone. So I, I, I didn't want to be that guy that turned the game off mid-game to check FanDuel. So I just kept it on and just sweated it out the whole game, um, which was a good experience. Obviously, it ended up hitting. Um, great game, though, as far as the game goes. Uh, Jalen Hurts, first quarterback to get three rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, we've had our fair share of, of uh, bad talk about Jalen Hurts on this podcast, especially early on in the season um, and last season. But I think that he's really proved himself. And while he might not be the standards, you know, typical stand in the pocket, throw the ball, um, which a lot of times is a lot of people's downfall. I think about RG3. I even look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is, is a running back in the quarterback position. I will argue any day about that. Um, but Jalen Hurts has really proved this year that he can make the throws he needs to throw or needs to make. Um, he has plenty of talent around him. I, I think the Eagles are going to be scary, uh, just as scary as the Chiefs have been the past couple of years and will continue to be. So uh, this might not be the last time we see these two in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, um, definitely not. I mean, the Chiefs have proven again and again. Uh, and I go back to what I said last week. Everybody else was pointing to the fact that they lost Tyreek Hill as a reason that they were going to be so down this year. Again, Tyreek Hill had speed, and, and that was literally all he, I feel like he brought to the table outside of being just a normal wide receiver. Uh, they were very easily able to replace him. Again, not the speed aspect, but they had a good wide receiver coming in, Juju. Uh, as Smith stepped up and was a huge asset for them as well. Um, so the offensive side of the ball, I, I didn't wasn't a huge concern for me. Again, my concern laid on the defensive side. Uh, in the first half, my concerns were being expressed. The Eagles were just picking them apart. They were they were able to run the ball, and then whenever they they fit up the, to stop the run, they're sitting there, they're throwing it around the edges. Um, so the Eagles had a, a great philosophy figured out on offense, and, and they did a great job. Um, but then. The reason why the Kansas City Chiefs won the second half, in my opinion, is just the head coaching and the experience. Uh, we saw why Andy Reid is such a veteran and so revered a, a, as a head coach across the NFL. Um, he was able to go in the halftime and say, okay, this is what we're fixing, and this is, this is what we're going to do in the second half. Uh, it, it's Obviously, anytime you go into the, the locker room with a halftime lead, especially in a big game like this, um, it, it's difficult to be like, okay, what are they going to do differently? Here's what we're stopping them on. I don't want to change what I'm doing, and um, I don't. I don't envy the situation um, the Eagles' head coach was in, uh, Sirianni, um, and he did the best he could. He kept his guys in it. I feel like he was losing his composure a little bit here and there on the sidelines. You saw Jalen Hurts go up to him multiple times. Hey, we're fine. Uh, it, it's not the greatest of signs when you see your players trying to keep your coaches calm. It's supposed to be vice versa. The coaches, all right, listen, things aren't going our way. We're fine. We're going to correct. Um, and to me, that just speaks to the experience between Sirianni and Andy Reid, and that, that's what ended up proving to be the difference. Um, and so, again, no hate to Sirianni. This was what, his second year being a head coach in the NFL. Uh, I, again, I they have a, a very young team. A lot of people said that if they didn't win the Super Bowl this year, uh, you know, there, there was going to have to be drastic changes next year. I don't think so. I, like, this is a, a great team they have built around. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Really a lot of young talent, too. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be the best team, one of the best teams in the NFL for years to come. I, this is not going to be the last time we see uh, a huge matchup between the Eagles and Chiefs, even if it's not in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think both teams absolutely have the talent in the roster and the coaching staff, even if Andy Reid decides to retire, uh, to, to be back here and continue to perform at such a high level. Um, 
Real quick, do you still feel that the Eagles are a front contender based on what you're saying for next year, knowing that they lost both their offensive and defensive coordinator in the last two days? I would be. I, I, I 100% think they are. Uh, just because unless you hire somebody just absolutely brain dead, um, and we've seen some teams do that, uh, I, I think they'll be more than fine. Just because, again, the, the, the raw talent they have on the offensive side of the ball um, and they've seen so much of this season, what works well, and how do we get these guys to work effectively together? At the end of the day, they have A.J. Brown, and they have, uh, what, uh, I can't think of the other wide receivers. Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, uh, and they have Jalen Hurts. I think they could use an improvement at the running game. I don't like the fact that it's a three-headed rotational back. I would like to see two at best, uh, but you definitely need like one marquee back to kind of set the pace. And, hey, let's have a really good guy to go in there and, and be able to give him some spells and still be able to continue to carry the workload. Um, and, and so that's my only really concern for them. And maybe that's what the new office, new offensive coordinator brings in is, is a heavier focus on that run game. We know how good the passing game can be, especially, like I said, with those guys on the outside. Um, so my, my I don't really have a huge concern for it, again, unless they go out and they, you know, hire a third grader. I think that well, I have a lot of respect for their defensive coordinator. I think that they could actually take a step up um, from where they were. I know they were one of the best defenses in the league this year, but I think that there's players that could have been used, um, not necessarily differently, but additionally in other ways. Like, you know, we see, um, for example, Michael, Michael Parsons on the Cowboys. He lines up all over the place. I think that there's a couple players you could move around that defense to give a couple different looks, maybe, you know, put one guy on a line, maybe move him back a linebacker or something. So I think that there is room for improvement on the, on the defensive side when it comes to the coordinator position, um, which is absolutely huge to say, because again, I, I thought that he did a very good job. And obviously the. Um, before we I'm move on, I'm just kind of, sorry. I, I'm just kind of scared with their offensive line being very old compared to, uh, the general age for the NFL. Um, I, I personally feel like they're, including this year, they were on a three-year kind of timetable to get mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl and get that win. And so I'm kind of worried with them losing both the offensive and defensive coordinators. Same season. I mean, this is ha- this happens every year. The winning, the two teams that make it to the Super Bowl, usually at least one of those four coordinators in the Super Bowl game is a head coach for a team the next season. So, I mean, it's, it's normal, like you had said, George, and but you had also mentioned that um, people have had a very hard time at hiring the right people recently, it seems like. So <laughs> let's hope yeah, that's and, not them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just back to what you said real quick about the offensive line. I mean, that is definitely a huge concern. But if if Kelsey, if they can at least get either Kelsey or Lane Johnson to stay, and, hey, give us one more year, go out, and then we have to replace you know one or the other, uh, I, I feel like if – those guys can help give the Eagles a little bit more time to, okay, let's get some other guys in here, train your replacements, basically. Or let's say, hey, you know, Kelsey, play one more year for us, like help us out. Uh, and, you know, we can sit here, we can talk about, uh, we, we can replace, even like I said, like Elaine Johnson or somebody else on the offensive line and help slowly piece that line back together. I, I feel like Lane is probably the one that scares me the most just because of how good he is. We saw how beat up his body was. I mean, I mean, the fact that he was able to play through all those games uh, and go out to the Super Bowl, and he played a very good game in the Super Bowl um, it, it, with his injuries and stuff, I, I feel like my mind kind of leans more towards him and this being his last uh, run, if that is the case. Um, whereas Kelsey is 
playing great, you know, physically. It's just maybe he wants to go spend a little bit more time with his family. And obviously, I mean, I'm not going to say he can't do that. Um, but I, I think the Eagles will be okay on the offensive line front if they were able to slowly do one piece at a time rather than, oh, oh crap, we got to replace, you know, two, three key guys all at the same time. Um, so, I mean, we'll just have to, that's one of those things where we're just going to have to wait and see how that kind of plays out going forward. Um, before we move ahead, obviously, we need to talk about it. Uh, the late game penalty. Uh, I'm going to give my thoughts on it first, and then I'll, I'll see what you guys think. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of hated the call just because it, it was such a great game. It was a clean game uh, back and forth. Uh, the refs were just letting them play. They were, they were avoiding the ticky-tacky stuff. Um, and, and so I kind of hate that. That that's what decided the game, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Was it a penalty? Yeah, I mean, it was it was defensive holding by the letter of the of the law. Um, was that a similar situation that you know we kind of saw let them they let slide earlier in the game? You could argue that, yeah. Um, and again, I, I just hate that that kind of left a sour taste in the mouth of, of the rest of the Super Bowl. But again, I I think it was an appropriate call. Um, and I, I kind of feel bad for Chiefs fans who are now sitting out there going. Man, we were getting like road all all game by the refs, and then all of a sudden we get one call, and unfortunately it changes the outcome. And you could argue if it was going to do that or not. I mean, the Eagles still would have had a long way to drive. Um, their offense, the, the defensive changes the Chiefs made in the second half refused to let the Eagles. I mean, they they got back to back three and outs, or at least they got a three and out, and then they had gotten a, a stop earlier. I think the drive before. Um, so the defense had definitely turned the tie there, but I mean. You would have liked to see the Eagles get a chance. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on the, on the penalty before we move on? Yeah, so I've actually I've been asked about this uh, by a couple people, and I I have a pretty stern belief on it. Um, but it, it's kind of because of the way it was called on the field, it's a bit questionable. So mm-hmm. um, the first thing I'm going to say is I, I agree with you. The act of a holding was committed. Um, so in that sense, the the flag is the right thing to do. However, I don't think that the act of holding itself was enough to call. I mean, this is the NFL. These people do this on every play. Like, I, I, I can show you a Dallas Cowboys highlight tape uh, for the defense and half the plays they're doing this stuff. Um, so, I, again, I, I don't think it was the time to call it, especially not late in the fourth quarter, especially not in the Super Bowl. Um, with that being said, it was called, and I can't say that I necessarily have a problem with that because, again, it, it, the act was committed. Um, what I have a problem with, again, how they called it wouldn't have changed the outcome of it. But I think that the the main um, the main point of that play that really caused, uh, I believe it was Juju, um, to not be able to run under that ball and score that touchdown, I think was, I believe it was right after the actual act of holding, where you can see him tuck his jersey. He kind of gets in front of him and prohibits him from being able to run up the field, mm-hmm. which if that's the case, if that's why you called the foul, I understand, you know, it, it's a timing thing. You prevented him from being able to get to the ball, whatever. If that's the case, in my opinion, I think at that point it becomes a pass interference, not a holding, which I think, you know, if you call it that way, maybe it's looked at a little differently, whatever the case, like I, I think there was, you know, some act that caused him to not be able to get into the ball. Again, was it enough to call it late in the game of the Super Bowl? You know, I I don't get paid to make that decision. Obviously, I, I don't think it was. I think you let that play out, see how it goes, um, especially like you said with the game we've had, how, you know, it was clean, hard fought. It was a close game. It was going back and forth. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my two cents on it. 
Said, uh, before we move on? Yeah, I mean, just real quick, I think just exactly like you said, George, it's just a, a sour way to end the game. Two weeks in a row we saw – or not two weeks in a row, but two of the previous games. I mean, you saw the uh, the Bengals player end the game for the, the, the Bengals there with the push on the homes out of bounds. Uh, it's, it's just a bad way to end a great game, and, and both games were great up until that last point. Um, for the Super Bowl, I mean, with as not really flagrant as that that holding was, it obviously was the case. But I think you also have to take into account where the game is at, what we're looking at here. Chiefs are already in field goal position. I mean, Buckers, while he did miss a, a field goal earlier in the game, he's one of the best field goal kickers. He's in that like second tier of great field goal kickers. I mean, the only person that's in the top tier is Justin Tucker. So um, it's it's normal for these guys to miss or whatever. But, I mean, they don't call that. The Chiefs run the play. It's an incomplete pass. They end up kicking a field goal. There's like a minute and 20 seconds left on the clock. Jalen Hurts has only been able to get the offense moving with a run-pass option designed for him. And he can't run the ball now because they have no timeouts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the game is going to end the same exact way. The Chiefs win. It ends in a great fashion where the Eagles got the chance to go down and score. They don't do it. And then after the game, you hear people say, well, hey, they did miss this holding call, you know, whatever. But I think that would have been the best way for the game to end. Um, Obviously, that's hindsight. They have to call the penalty where they see them. So that's that's what it got us here. Absolutely. All right. So that wraps up our NFL talk. I mean, we'll be back for the draft, obviously. Uh, but it's time to move on uh, from one Super Bowl to another. We have the Daytona 500 this weekend, uh, the first actual race of the NASCAR season. That's some bullshit uh, quarter mile. Let's wreck each other. Now we go to a two mile. Let's wreck each other and make sure nobody finishes the race in one piece. Um, but it, regardless, it, it's one of the, my favorite races of the year to watch. I know it's, it's your guys' too. Uh, it, it's the start of a new season. There's so much hope, so much. I don't know. I, I'm sitting here trying to make it sound fun and it's it's two hours watching cars it's the granddaddy of them all any any the super bowl whatever you could say for any other sporting event that there's it's their master biggest one of the season that's the daytona 500 they don't do it at the end of the season like everyone else's it's the very start of the season first race all right well let's get into it obviously last year we had austin Cindric win shoved ryan blaney into the wall off turn four uh (laughs) a little bit of controversy there um just your, your overall feeling and your thoughts of not just the Daytona 500, but the NASCAR season as a whole as we get ready to get into its lead. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of had talked about right before this in, in who's going to really compete this weekend. It's a lot of manufacturer base when it comes to these big tracks. Uh, I'm going to be on a Chevy kick just based on this last weekend and how they were able to kind of drive through the field, each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the Chevy teams are really going to dominate this year. And so I look for Richard Childress Racing to really step up from where they've been at these previous years. Obviously, when you put someone who's the most winningest NASCAR driver um, in one of your seats uh, collectively across all of their series, George, I saw you look up, you know, like Richard Petty probably wants some more races. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, as soon as you put someone like that in the race car, obviously they're going to do better. Uh, I'm picking, I mean, this is ahead of the picks, or whatever, but I'm putting Jimmy Johnson in my lineup for this weekend. I think that, He's going to come out and he's going to show that just because he hasn't been driving a stock car doesn't mean that he's stopped being great at, at getting into these stock cars and being able to drive. What about you? Nick, uh, we'll, we'll let you go. 
just just yeah, thoughts uh, on the race and, and the NASCAR season. As far as the race goes this season, um, I think whoever's front bumper crosses the finish line first is going to win. Um, oh. Yeah, I thought it was a great call. Uh, Unless they have an illegal car. That that is true. That is true. Yeah. They'll at least take the chance. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that you know we like Slate said we talked about it a little before the show. I mean, we talk about every year, uh, especially you know Daytona stuff like that. There's going to be wrecks. Um, you know, so to, it, it's really going to depend on who happens to keep all four wheels wheels on the ground uh, for all 500 laps. Um, and, He's really uh, going through the dummy 101 for NASCAR. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> just saying, it's 200 like, laps, 500 miles. Yeah, sorry, uh, did I? Until it, until they hit the overtime, and yeah. then it's what 200 or 530 miles and something like that. I did say laps, um, miles, but uh, no, I, I said that because again, there's going to be a lot of wrecks. Um, so it could be uh, like we've talked about before anybody's race. Um, a- as far as the season goes, I-, I personally am really excited for the season. I started getting into NASCAR, you know, more la- last year. We all did, um, and being able to see what that brought, what the new packages brought, um, some of the new drivers in. There's, you know, some drivers that have moved around. I think that's going, that's only going to add uh, to the. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking. Diversity, I guess, uh, in the the winners columns. Not, not with race slate. Don't give me that look. Um, just diversity and different drivers as a whole, different uh, companies, manufacturers, all that stuff. Um, so I think it's going to be an entertaining season. Um, I'm going to take a bold pick here and say that we have more drivers win a race than we have playoff spots this year. Okay. I think yeah. that's because we were only what we we would have been two away one, last season from that. One, we right? one away. Yeah. One. Well, one yeah. away from yeah. filling. Yeah, it. Ryan Blaney yeah. was the only one that. That's that's bold. No. That's, that's a yeah, bold yeah, call. Yeah. Um. Yes, so b- before I, I get my thoughts, you kind of brought up an interesting point with the diversity. Do we think we're gonna have four races uh, in NASCAR before we have a fourth manufacturer, or, or vice versa? Are we gonna have four manufacturers before we have a fourth race? Or ethnicity. I, I really shouldn't say race, yeah. but ethnicity. I was, was going to say, I, I what, what, there's 32 yeah, races. When he said it the second time, I was like, maybe yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Oh, that's so four manufacturers before four ethnicities. I, I'm going to I'm going to take that. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say we get four manufacturers, four different manufacturers to win before we get four different. ethnicities. Uh, I'm saying four ethnicities before manufacturers. I think NASCAR. The equipment is so expensive. Just getting a charter is expensive enough. And at that point, you just pick which manufacturer you want to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Drive for Diversity program, and they've been pushing uh, people through that like it's nonstop. Uh, so I think that we see someone come up from the K&N series or something like that a lot faster than we see uh, Dodge or someone get in there. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with Slade. Uh, I'm going to go with ethnicity. But just my thoughts on the race this weekend. Uh, I'm very excited for it. Um, I mean, Fox's broadcasting was a little bit better at the class. I mean, hopefully it continues to get better. Uh, they definitely had their issues last year. Uh, but anytime Mike Joy is talking on the television, it, it makes it easier to watch for me anyway. Um, and and so just in, in regards to that, I think it's going to make watching the race a little bit more exciting. Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting storylines coming into the season. you got Kyle Busch going to a Chevy and a different team. Uh, you got the guy stepping into his shoes that nobody likes. I mean, who would have thought there was a guy in NASCAR that somebody hated more than Kyle Busch? Um, I mean, I don't hate him more than Austin Dillon. Uh, I mean, you have his own storyline of who's going to put him into the wall this weekend because um, you know nobody likes him as well. 
Uh, but I, I think it's just it's going to be a lot of fun watching these storylines. You have Harvick in his last ride, Truex, and most likely his last ride as well. He hasn't announced it or anything, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching the storylines, not just in this race, but throughout the, the season, like I said. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about our fantasy picks for this week. Uh, this is NASCAR fantasy, so you get five starters, uh, a six garage, kind of like how we well, we modeled our golf after this, essentially. Um, and, and so, Slade, you won the championship last year. Uh, we'll let you go ahead, and you go first this week. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I'm going to go heavy on the Chevys this week. I think that it's an all-or-nothing weekend that you can really run up the score the first week, or you can just start in the hole. Yeah, you can just start in the hole. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with Chevy, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm starting with Kyle Busch. I think that the way he was able to drive through the field last weekend, he was able to do it like nobody else in a new car, uh, with a lot of adversity through the off season of sponsorship and, and, and just everything else. Um, I'm also picking his teammate, Austin Dillon, because they're going to be working together the entire race. I know that you don't like that, but they're going to be working together. They're forced to same manufacturer, same team. Uh, or Alex Bowman, he's been sneaky in the top five, doing really good this past season. And then he ran pretty well this, this, uh, last weekend or two weekends ago or whatever at the clash. Uh, I'm going with Ricky Stenhouse because he's going to be the last man standing after he wrecks the field. And then AJ Allmendinger, because he can just, he's almost like Boris said when they would just bring him in for the road course races, AJ Allmendinger, anytime he steps foot in the cup series, he's a contender. He's full time this year, so it's it's gonna be right. interesting watching him. Uh, he's really. Oh, sorry. I, the garage is Jimmy Johnson, like I already said. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. Um, but no, I, I back to AJ Allmendinger before I get into my picks here, real quick. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. We saw him really able to compete at times when he was in the Cup Series the first time, uh, with with Penske before he got kicked out with the the drug charges and stuff. Um, and then he went to I believe Richard Petty. Um, and it was still somehow able to compete there. Or uh, was it, I'm sorry, I think it was JTG. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Daughtry, yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, a- able to compete. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in full-time. I mean, obviously, he won uh, at Indy two years ago in, in the Calding car, uh, but now he's full-time. I, I think he's going to be a contender for the full season. I'm excited to see him uh, You know, really show how good of a race car driver he is. Uh, I think some people really forget that. He's been down in Xfinity for like how many years now, just dominating it, uh, and nobody really talks about it. Um, so for my picks, uh, first up, uh, I also inadvertently, uh, we talked about this before, about kind of splitting, like the manufacturers doing like two and two. Uh, I made my picks and didn't even think about that, uh, and I, I have a pretty even split here. Um, first pick, I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. Uh, he always seems to run really well here. He just had some bad luck. Uh, he got beat to the line by uh, Denny Hamlet a couple years ago when uh, Ryan Newman went up into the wall. Uh, got punted into the wall by his teammate last year coming to the finish. Uh, I think he's a little sick and tired of the treatment, uh, and he's not going to you know bow down to anybody. I think if they're coming off four and, and he's in that pusher position, he's putting somebody in the wall before he he lets himself get run up again. Um, I think he's, he's willing to win at any cost to get the, the Daytona 500 checked off his list and to bounce back from having a winless season last, last year. Um, my next pick, Denny Hamlin, three-time winner of the Daytona 500. Uh, he wants to prove that he's still able to contend. There's already murmurs going around, uh, especially with, uh, I guess he, not necessarily a contract dispute, but he's in the last guaranteed year of his contract with Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, there's talk of FedEx possibly leaving and so on and so forth. 
Um, so he wants to definitely prove that he still has it. Uh, he, he's going to go out on his own terms. I don't think he's retiring this year, but uh, again, there's there's murmurs going around. Uh, next up, I, I picked my boy Kevin Harvick. Uh, won the 2007 race here. Uh, he's starting, like we mentioned earlier, his final season of, of full-time Cup Series racing. Um, I think he wants to start it off on the right foot and you know have a huge cherry on top in his career. Obviously, he wants a championship and he wants a, a second title, but I think he would love a second Daytona 500 just as much. Um, next up, Kyle Busch. Uh, a lot of the same reasons that you picked Slade. Uh, he just looked so good last week. Uh, he wants to get this race knocked off his bucket list of, of, of races to win. Uh, he's the two-time champion. He's won at every other track. He's won at Daytona in the in the July race, but never the Daytona 500. Uh, he wants to get that done. Next up, Bubba Wallace. Uh, he always runs well at super speedways. He has four top fives at Daytona alone. Uh, <laughs> um, and again, another one of those guys where he either wrecks or he finds himself in a, in a situation uh, where he can really have a good finish at, at the end of the Daytona 500. Uh, and in my garage uh, is, is Ricky Stenhouse. He runs really well in super speedways, or he wrecks everybody, in, including himself. Uh, and so he's my garage right now. Uh, Nick, your picks. Yeah, so um, I'm not going to lie to you. I went outside, like, the top, like, 10 starters, um, or at least looked at, like, some of the favorites and was like, I'm not picking any of them. Because um, it's the first week. I don't want to waste a pick on them. I ran out of some picks late last season and couldn't make a charge. Um, but I did pick some that, you know, have a chance here. So up first, I have Denny Hamlin. Uh, like George said, three times time winner here. Uh, second, I have Kevin Harvick, one in. You said 2017. I'm not good with the 2007. Oh, 2007. Okay. So he's, he's old. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> up, up next, I have Aaron Jones or Eric Jones. Uh, to be honest, I like his odds. He odds he averages uh, 20, average 24 points last season, and I felt like he was a good pick to use on the first week. Um, all this is based off of the idea that there's going to be a huge wreck, and everybody that I didn't pick is not going to make it to the end of the race. Um, <laughs> uh, my fourth pick, I have Daniel Suarez. Uh, had a strong season last year. We talked about him a lot. Um, I think he comes out hot. Uh, and then my last pick is Martin Truex Jr. Um, I picked him because, like we talked about during the show, uh, a little bit of diversity in the uh, in the manufacturers. Um, so I threw him in there, and then I did end up throwing a last Toyota or another Toyota into my garage. I picked Christopher Bell again, somebody we talked about a lot last season. Um, showed a lot of promise. I think he is going to look to get a great start to this season and hope to find himself in the same position he found himself in last year. Um. Before we move on, actually, I, I had originally I had Truex in and I scratched it for, for Hamlin just because I now Truex is going to go in and win the race, but I, I just felt a little bit better picking Hamlin over Truex. Um, but as we're talking right now, uh, qualifying is going on. Uh, Stenhouse is the only car that has gone on track so far. Um, so let's go ahead, let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit of the waste management open. Uh, first of all, what a great tournament uh, from start to finish. Exciting, thrilling action. Guys moving up and down the leaderboard. Um, I want to start off with some concerns I have for some stars, and I want to see if you guys feel the same way. Um, so first up is Colin Morikawa, uh, somebody that all three of us are very high on, and, and we love his game. Uh, and he has really been struggling here lately, ever since the Century Tournament of Champions, where he was leading all three days up until I think there were six holes less when he finally lost that lead. Um Actually, it might have been. Five, I, think I, I, yeah. I think he collapsed on um, 14 was when it started. So he is first in fairway accuracy. Actually, I think he dropped down to second this week uh, after the waste management open. Um, my, my concern is he's 124th in strokes gained putting. He's actually losing strokes in putting, uh, according to the PGA Tour stats. 
Uh, it was a big deal when it came into the season. Again, back to the, the Century Tournament of Champions. He has a, a new putter grip, and it, this is how he's gripping it. And it worked really well for three days. And then all of a sudden, it fell apart in the fourth. Uh, and <laughs> he's really struggled ever since. I mean, I watched him um, uh, early Saturday morning when he was trying to make that cut fighting. He had easy putts in front of him. I say easy from a television point of view. Obviously, I, all, all three of us just stood over top of the golf ball and shanked it 50 feet to the right. <laughs> um, but I feel like for a PGA Tour pro, which should be an easy putt uh, within five feet, those are almost gimmies. Uh, and he was lipping a lot of them out. Uh, are you guys concerned for his game? Do you think there's still time to get it back on track? Uh, it's, it, to me, it almost kind of seems like it's a mental thing right now. Uh, ever since he blew that lead and, and Rom beat him, he has really struggled to kind of post consecutive, consistent good scores. Uh, he'll go out there, he'll shoot a 68 one round and go out and shoot a 74. Um, so are you guys concerned for him? Or are, is he just finding his groove? Or what are your thoughts on Morikawa? Uh, Nick, you were very high on him. Uh, you talked talked him up. Uh, you said he was going to have what, three wins. Um, actually, no, you said he was going to win more than that this four, year. I said four. Yeah. Four. Um, back when he was leading the Century Tournament of Champions. Is, is this your fault? Uh, but I'll let you go first. Well, first of all, it probably. Um, it probably is my fault. Uh, we know that I don't talk about shit unless I want it to absolutely collapse. Um, so I, I'm, ooh, I almost made a joke there. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you're me and you talked the talk that you talked when he was leading the century, uh, yeah, you're a little concerned, uh, to say the very least. Um, from a from a outside of my personal belief perspective, um, I, I'm I'm not, uh, maybe slightly. I don't know if concerns the right word, uh, but more cautious. Uh, I guess would be a decent word. Um. We've seen what the new what the new grip can do at the century. Um, I 100% agree with you. I think it's a mental thing. Um, I kind of thought that at first because when they asked him about that putter in the century tournament, you could hear it in his voice. Hey, I got this new grip. It's working great for me. I feel great when I'm doing it. You know. And then the interviews that you've heard, you know, since after the collapse and and any tournament since then. He doesn't have that same confidence in his voice. And the one interview, I don't remember if it was in between weeks or if it was at the Waste Management Open. Or I, I remember seeing an interview with him and somebody had asked him about his confidence. Uh, and he said, it might have even been on TikTok, to be honest with you, wherever. I've seen it somewhere. Um, but they asked him about his confidence. And he said, sometimes I just need to look in the mirror and say, hey, you're a two-time major winner. Um, which I, I think speaks a lot about not only you know, how he feels in that moment, but also how he can feel. Um, and I think that to me, when I heard that interview and the way that he said it, I think that now is that time that he needs to look in the mirror and say that to himself. Um, because you see, you know, even uh, I believe it was at the waste management this week, I watched him walk up to a putt and then back off. And I know that people back off of a putt, you know, all the time for maybe they think their caddy's not giving him a good read, whatever. But the way that I seen him back off of that putt and look at his caddy. He did, him and his caddy didn't have any more conversation. He just backed off and looked at him. And I think that it's he doesn't have the confidence that it's going to go in. And when you think about uh, Cam Smith back at the Open, uh, I could probably think of a couple of them if I sat here for long enough. Uh, but when they asked Cam Smith about that one putt, I believe it was on 18. And he said, I, I knew it was going in. Now, the putt itself that I'm referring to didn't go in but he had the confidence to get it close enough to do what he needed to do. 
And and obviously, you know, we've all played the game of golf. We're not at the top level like they are, but we know you miss one easy putt. And next thing you know, you get up over top of that ball and maybe your hands are a little sweaty or, you know, you're second guessing your read or whatever. Um, and I think that goes for golf as a whole. The, the confidence, when you know you have the ability to hit that shot, the difference between hitting the shot and not hitting the shot is commitment and feeling like you're going to hit the shot. And I, I think if Morikawa can get past that, if he can get his confidence back, you know, maybe use that the ball strike ability that he has, like you said, you know, he gets in the fairways. He's first in, in uh, fairway, whatever you said. Um, he gets in the fairway. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. I know that most of these pros are really only like hunting for three to five pins around. I think if you're more a coward, you might have to bump that up to the five to eight range. You might have to get yourself closer to that pin, knock down some of those three, four foot putts, get that confidence up and, you know, really bring your game together and get back to the level that he wants to play at. Yeah, uh, so your your thoughts on Morikawa? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely scared. Uh, I should know that when one of you go heavy on someone that they're doomed. Uh, I'm waiting for it to happen to me, but usually I somehow bet or pick the person that you guys have doomed and pick them on my team. Did the same with Cantley this week. Uh, nobody, like, doomed him, but both of them just... Uh, underperformed like it was their job this weekend like they would get a birdie and then they'd bogey the next hole it's just one step forward two steps back every single time and uh it it was just really rough to watch um really hoping that he's able to turn things around because this season definitely seems like i say this now but it definitely seems like it could be a wide open season to where there's a chance for a lot of different guys to get a lot of uh multiple wins throughout the season uh i say that but Scotty Scheffler just won, and now he's going back to where he had won. <laughs> he's, he's very good also, and so uh, we could see him start a five-week stretch that we saw last year. And uh, um, But, yeah, I'm definitely concerned for, for both him and, and Cantley. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you bring up Cantley. I actually wanted to talk about him as well. Uh, number five in the world right now, number six, I believe, actually. Um, and right now, he's currently ranked 63rd in strokes gained tee to green, 127th in strokes gained on his approach shots. Um, just not typical behavior that you would see if somebody ranked so highly in the world. Um, this is somebody who two years ago we watched, uh, not necessarily come out of nowhere, but have a really strong finish to the year uh, and was able to win the, the tour championship. Uh, he won the BMW last year and kind of looked like everything that was wrong throughout the season. Uh, we saw him, he lost in a playoff at the WM Open last year, uh, lost in a playoff at the RBC Classic uh, or, or RBC Heritage. Uh, for, there's two of them, and I can't remember which one it is. That's in South Carolina. Um, but there was multiple times last year he was in contention, and he breaks through again at the BMW. This year, it just seems like everything about his game is completely off. Again, a, another guy that we saw struggle uh, with putting this past weekend, um, he had – I believe it was like a five or six footer at the end of Saturday. If he made it, he was going to make the cut uh, and he lipped it out and, and ends up going home. Uh, so Slade uh, kind of addressed that he is concerned. Uh, Nick, are you concerned for Cantley as well? Um, normally I would say yes uh, for somebody ranked so high to just be underperforming like that. Um, but like you talked about, when it comes to the end of season, he you know kind of has a way to bring it around. Now I'm sure... From his point of view, that's probably now not how he wants to spend his seasons. Um, he wants to get some wins in there. He wants to feel good. He wants, you know, 
I'm sure as well as he plays at the end of the season, if he could carry some midseason momentum into that, mm-hmm. oh boy, watch out. But I um so I I don't want to necessarily say that I am concerned for him, but the way that he is currently playing is concerning to say the least. Fair enough. Um so we're gonna move into the Genesis Open now. Uh one thing I, I want to talk about before we get into our fantasy picks. Um yeah, aside from Tiger is this year was the first year the PGA introduced these elevated events. And it was in response to live. There's no doubt about that. Um, PGA is getting exactly what they wanted, in my opinion. This uh, this weekend will be the third. We've had two already. We had the Century. Um, and then we had last week at the WM Open. $20 million uh, was the purse last week. Um, it brought an elevated field. There was so much action across the board. Um we had guys like Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, guys that we're huge fans of that, you know, have not been playing so well in, in past years, kind of come out of nowhere and have really surprising, uh, you know, scores. Uh, Ricky Fowler finished in the top 10. Jason Day was in the top five. Ricky Fowler had a goddamn hole in one. Um, but just the, the competition level across the board, you had Nick Taylor, um, who lo- almost lost his tour card last year. Um, and he went just this past week with his second place finish. Uh, went from 223rd in the uh, World Golf Rankings to 73rd. Um, but again, somebody who, coming into that that round Sunday, everybody talked nonstop about, oh, it, it's it's a Fowler, or excuse me, not a Fowler. Uh, it's a Rom and a Scheffler showdown. You know, we get to see the uh, two of the top three in the world go at it. Um, and next thing you know, Rom is, I, I don't want to say he struggled all day. It almost looked like he was toying with the field. He would shank his drive 50 yards, you know, out of bounds to the right. Somehow have a perfect lie in a, in a wide open view of the green and then get it up there. And he, he was playing consistent par golf throughout the day, whereas Nick Taylor and, and or surprisingly Nick Taylor and Scotty Scheffler were duking it out, sending birdies back and forth, sending eagles, uh, you know, answering each other's great shots. Uh, Nick Taylor missed a few key putts down the stretch that would have kept it tied, probably forced a, another playoff. Um, but before we make our picks, uh, just one last thing we want to talk about is, is just your guys' thoughts on these elevated events and, and, and how you feel about them so far. Uh, Slade, we'll start with you this time. Yeah. So I like the elevated events idea. Um, I also, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, to this weekend is you mentioned Nick Taylor. I think that with his scare last year of almost losing his tour card, or at least being in jeopardy of it, um, I definitely just made a change to put him on my team. Uh, I think that he's going to have a good month. I don't think that he's going to have like this uh, breakout season or anything like that, but I could really see him getting all very close within this month, top five each weekend of, of getting that, that win. So um, I definitely see him as being a, a, a big deal this year. Jason day. I mean, dude's been on the tour for a long time and this season he's balled out. He's been in the top 20 for every tournament he's listed it. Yeah. So it's it's definitely someone that I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah. So what about you? Uh, well, the, sorry, Nick. Before I let you go, uh, I just put, my, my last thought about the, the elevated events is it, everybody kind of looked at it as oh, it's going to bring the, these huge names like Scheffler, like Rom, like McElroy into a lot more of these tournaments. Uh, whereas you know, it might be places that they skip, not necessarily the Genesis or the Waste Management, but um, you know, some other. Uh, more tournaments that we have farther down the line. Um, but then you have the, these guys like Nick Taylor come out and, and play. Adam Hadwin is another one, uh, you know, who kind of stumbled late Saturday uh, and then really throughout the day Sunday. 
Um, but I think it just goes to show how deep the PGA, and I, I said this coming in, I feel like this is a wide open year. You kind of alluded to it earlier, Slade. Um, but I, I really feel like we're going to see a lot of different winners this year. We're going to see a lot of guys like Nick Taylor come out of nowhere and be competing with somebody like Scotty Scheffler on a Sunday. Jinx in my guy. Oh, I hope so. Uh, but a freaking I, curse on him. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm very excited for the PGA Tour as a whole. And again, I think this is a super deep year. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun watching these competitions go back and forth. Uh, but now, Nick, I'll let you go. Yeah, um, I, I'm really here for the elevated events. Uh, like we've seen at the Waste Management, I'd say probably half of the top 20, not necessarily guys that finish top 20, but top 20, like, players. I, half of them I feel like wouldn't have shown up normally. Um, like, you look back to last year, some of those names were missing off the leaderboard. Um, could be because they just missed cuts, too, but some of them weren't there. Um but this is really going to bring not only the stop the top stars together more throughout the season, but it's also going to give a chance to the Nick Taylors, the you know Jason Day, which I know Jason Day has been you know at the top. Um, but I, I think that it's going to give these players the ability to not only show like they're not going to have to go out and win the John Deere Classic and hope that somebody respects them. They're going to go out and you know play second in the Waste Management Open only to Scotty Scheffler, who was having you know an absolutely typical Scotty Scheffler day. Um, so that's kind of what I'm most excited to see. Um, obviously, you know, we're all happy that there's these big stars are going to be in more of these tournaments that they w- than they would have been, say, last year or the year before. Um, but to see how the, the younger stars, the ones who aren't necessarily respected as the top players yet, how they respond and how they play up against, you know, these um, elevated rosters. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's dive into our fantasy picks for this week at the Genesis Invitational. Uh, after the Waste Management Open, Nick has a 10-point lead over me. Uh, all three of us had Scotty Scheffler pick. Uh, Slade actually came in second place this week, so he closed that gap uh, to us as well, uh, and I have 103 points. Uh, so with me finishing last this past week, I'll go ahead I'll go first. Uh, so first up, I got Tony Finau. Uh, he's made five out of six cuts. Uh, he has one win so far in this FedEx Cup season. Uh, he lost in a playoff here in 2021. To Max Homa, actually. Uh, I believe it was Max Homa's first career win. Uh, so he plays really well here. Uh, I, I think he's going to – he hasn't been consistent here lately. Obviously, like we said, he had that win earlier at the Houston uh, event uh, last uh, was last fall. Um, it still counts as this, this year. Um, so I'm very excited for the, the calendar season to come back next year. <laughs> um, but I, I think he's starting to show glimmers of why he is so good. Uh, if he can just start to be consistent with it, put together four solid rounds, I think we can definitely see him at the top of the leaderboard for a full weekend. Uh, next up, I took Xander Schauffele. Uh Five out of five on cuts made this year. He finished T13 here last year. Um, next up, I took Jordan Spieth. Uh, four out of five cuts this year. Uh, I just think he's playing really well right now. Uh, we saw him kind of in contention going into Sunday uh, this past weekend. Uh, he made a couple good shots early. Uh, and then just couldn't continue to string rounds together. He turned into one of those guys where he made a birdie, turned around and made, you know, a bogey. Uh, I brought up Ricky Fowler earlier. He had that hole in one, and then he bogeyed the next two holes, so it just wiped it out. Um, but uh, next pick, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Uh, four out of four on cuts made. Uh, he has two top fives. He finished sixth here last year. Uh, Adam Scott, uh, two out of two on cuts made. He is the all-time earnings leader at the Genesis Invitational. Uh, and he won here in 2020 uh, and finished T4 last season. Uh, and my last pick is Tyrrell Hatton. 
uh, three out of three on cuts made. Uh, another one of those surprising names uh, we saw last week uh, up at the top of the leaderboard finished T6 last week. Uh, or Slade, let's go ahead and see your picks. Yeah, so uh, I started out with John Rahm. I hadn't picked him yet, and so I figured why not pick the top three players in the world to start this week. Uh, I, I got to catch up at some point, somehow, and so I'm hoping that this is a week that I can maybe gather a few points. Um, I also went with Max Homa and Scotty Scheffler to round up the other three in that top three in the world. Um, Tony Finau as well. Um, I think he's been playing some really great golf. Uh, I expect him to, you know, at least try and get into the top 20, definitely make the cut, and that'll definitely help me out at least. Uh, the last two, I went back to Justin Rose because Nick just went ahead and put Taylor in his lineup too, and George and Nick both just hexed him and Jason Day. So I had to go with my third pick, Justin Rose. I'm back to him. <laughs> him and Adam Scott, hoping that uh, they're – experience at this course is able to get them into the weekend and at least get me a point or two there yeah uh before we go to nick because I, I, I have to be right and i have to correct you on everything uh max home is actually 15th in the world uh but he's second in FedEx standings. Um, okay i'm going off fedex cup standings then i guess i don't close. know what i'm doing yeah, yeah. Exactly. i think actually i went off power uh, <laughs> not even any sort uh, of nick, statistic uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, slate or whatever. Three in my heart. Yeah. All right. Um. So up first, I have Victor Hovland. Uh. Hold on. I just closed my notes. That's always great. It's right in front of you on the screen. Well, I know that, but I'm trying to my wise. Yeah, because we didn't talk about Hovland yet. If if I would have said like Vino, I'm like, yeah, George already told you. Um, Victor Hovland, he hasn't put together a full weekend yet, but he's put together good enough rounds. Um, he's placed well. He scored Paul, Paul, par, it's been a long day in the Bell household. Uh, he scored par better in all 24 rounds that he's played this season. Um, and in his two appearances at Riviera, he's finished T5 and T4, and that was in the last two years, um, with a scoring average of just over 68. Uh, I think this is a week that he could put it together, see himself back on top of the podium. Um, Adam Scott, I believe George did talk about Scott a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't have to do that. Uh, Finau, like he's uh, like George said, have been playing great golf. Played great golf here last year. I think that if he can put together consistency, um, I think he puts himself in the conversation up there with like the John Rom. He he doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses in this game. His biggest weakness is that consistency and being able to play that well through all four days of a tournament. Uh, Patrick Cantley. Uh, He's a great golfer. He's been playing great golf. I threw him in here because I was trying not to pick a second pick this week, and I really wanted to, so I had to put Cantley in here to kind of ease that off my mind. Um, Seamus Power, another person who's been playing very well this season, uh, this this official season, not the calendar year. Well, I mean, both technically count, but you know what I mean. Um, and, you know, he was up there at the top of the, uh, the FedEx Cup there for a while, which just goes to show how well he's been playing. And then this says Taylor Moore because I just switched this on George while we were sitting here talking about it. But I did end up putting Nick Taylor uh, into my my garage pick. Um, I, either one of them, Taylor Moore, I put in there because I seen him on an underdog pick and I like the reasons that they put him on there. Uh, but I, I decided to go with Nick Taylor because of the golf that he's playing, uh, especially last weekend. And I think he can carry that over this weekend, possibly see me at the very least the top 30. Um, I I think we talked about this earlier. I wasn't sure if I'm not sure if we were recording or if this is before we went live. Uh, but I, I'm seriously considering putting Tiger Woods uh, in, into my alternate spot. Uh, just because yeah. 
Just Cyril Hyatt was kind of just like a name I threw out there, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I mean, like he, he did it last year though, and yeah. it was a waste of a pick for you. <laughs> no, no, it was he not. Did it for the Masters. I did it for the Masters, the PGA uh, Championship, and the Open. The only time the he that... missed, the only time he missed the cut was the Open. Every other time he I was made the cut. Say, so the one that the one that you had picked him, he made the cut and then withdrew. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the Masters, wasn't it? No, it was uh, the PGA uh, Championship. He was yeah. Uh, like he made the cut and then like after three holes on Saturday, he's like, yeah, I'm done. I was like, hey, yeah. you got me a point. I don't care. Yeah, because right, you got in the group chat. He was like, rest. yeah, you got me a point. That's all I was asking for. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I could ask for. Um, but I don't. I'll, I'll think about it. We'll we'll see what happens here. Um, who that, who on your list are you thinking of taking out to put him in? Hatton. I, Hatton's the, the okay. one I was most unsure to put in. And so that means that he would he was not gonna go on the win this weekend. Um yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but before we, we end the show, um just your guys' thoughts uh on Tiger's uh, return and how excited you are to have him back Uh Nick, we'll let you go first. Okay, yeah. So uh we talked about it a little in the group chat. Um as someone who didn't get to witness the the elite of Tiger, the peak of Tiger, the when someone says Tiger Woods and talking about golf and not wives, the Tiger Woods that you think of. Um, and, you know, I while I hope and I pray that at some point, I'm glad George finally caught on that, that at some I, point I, I, right away. I, just... I get to witness that live, um, you know, be able to see him, you know, chip some ridiculous shot 20 feet from the hole and it rolls in exactly like it's supposed to. Um, I hope I get to witness that live. We seen last year um, in, in the tournaments that he did play in some of that tiger, you know, he hit some very good shots and he was playing, but we also seen a lot of bad tiger, especially, you know, maybe the end of day two, getting into day three, whether it was his back hurting or, you know, just cardio, whatever the situation might have been. Um, so I'm really hoping that we get to see some flash of that. I've been hearing a lot about the practice rounds he's been playing and stuff. And supposedly, supposedly they look good. Um, I'm not going to get too hype over it yet. Uh, but whether it's elite tiger, peak tiger, or, you know, my back hurts tiger, it, it's never a bad thing to see Tiger Woods on a golf course. So I'm excited for it. Uh, Slade, your thoughts on Tiger's coming back? Definitely excited to watch him. I, I think that this is uh, – he made the comment sort of like LeBron James, that he would love to be able to play a tournament with his son. Um, I think this is kind of a buying time situation. I, I don't know if anyone is going to agree with that, but there's been the big thing with the battle between PGA and Liv. They made all of these changes to elevated tournaments, like you had mentioned. Um, I think Tiger is the biggest billboard that the PGA can use to draw eyeballs. And so I think that Tiger is going to play a couple of of tournaments this year and it's mainly going to consist of driving up the viewership he's going to be out there flirting two over the cut line he'll make it to the weekend and then you'll just see it's kind of like a, a victory walk for two days uh and i know that he had said that he that he's coming to compete because yes he does feel like he can win but i also think that that's just the way that he was brought up the way he was taught anything he does he thinks he can win he's he's going to try and win uh i just don't think that with the way people like scotty scheffler uh jordan speed justin thomas all of these guys that grew up watching him and playing against him for the last five to seven years now i don't think that he's at the same level to compete with them and so i think that it's more or less can tiger make the cut is the bets that i'll be looking towards yeah uh but 
I, like like I said earlier, I, I'm just very excited to have him back. Anytime he plays, even if he's not in, in the best condition, it's much must-watch TV for me anyway. Um, there's a lot of really great groupings this weekend. And I believe he's with um, Spieth. Um, I forget the other guy he's playing with. Um, but regardless. With, uh, JT and Rory. That's what it was, yeah. JT and Rory. Yeah. Um, but Which all three are best friends, by the way. So yeah. that's pretty. Uh, but I mean, just across the board, this 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 weekend, Thursday and Friday, there's just going to be a lot of really fun groups to watch. Uh, I'm very grateful for ESPN Plus for putting feature groups on on their their channel. Um, but again, it, it just must watch TV for me. I, I really look forward to watching him play. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I wasn't high on putting him on my list until he came out yesterday and said, you know what? I wouldn't come back if I didn't think I could win. I was like, you know what, Tiger, you got me. I didn't, I wasn't going to buy him this year. I'm pretty and sure he said the same that, line that got like, him in your master's lineup, but you know pretty what? Much. I'm just like, <laughs> he said it like, all right, I believe he you. He gets I'll asked the question forward. every tournament he enters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like if I was his wife, he would he would have cheated on me 30 times just because like, I'm not cheating. Like, you know what? I believe you, Tiger. You're, you're good. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, well, that's, how, that's what happened. More Tiger and his uh, wife tonight. Jeez. But all right, that with that one. George just describes an actual situation that happened. <laughs> oh my. But that'll do it for our show this week. We're gonna wrap it up. As always, don't forget, go to W.GG, use code Jackwagon for 10% off. Yeah, yeah, get a get a shirt like Slate did. Um, yeah. or just get some awesome energy drinks. We love it. Uh I, I drink one every day now, actually. Uh, it's replaced with coffee. my coffee. Uh, yeah. Look at that. Okay, maybe, maybe that's not going to want people join us if they know what we drink. I just used it to beat my nine-year-old at football in the yard. Yeah, yeah you did. Um, needed it, too. I, needed it. Yeah, he did. Um, as always, don't forget to check us out uh, on YouTube, TikTok, everywhere, uh, and come back for next week's episode as well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys there. Have a great rest of your week.